Round one was over. <laughs> Parents won. Kids sipped. I only hope that we never lose sight of one thing. That was all started by a mouse. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Gentlemen, start your engines. There's a touch of madness around here. Hello and welcome to the Disney Dads Podcast. My name is Jason and usually I have two incredible hosts with me, Mike and Justin. And tonight, guys, they're not here because I'm going rogue. And it's going to be a great show. I hope you guys enjoy it. I've got a power couple on that I can't wait for you guys to meet. So much talent, so much fun, and just all around good people. But before I get into our guests, let me tell you uh, a little bit about us. We're three Disney dads that are uh, love everything Disney. We love talking Disney, and we like to keep it fun for the whole family, uh, at least for, for our non-Patreon side. So with that, I would like to say welcome if this is the first time you've heard the show. Now, going back to our guest, guys, I am, I am so excited tonight because I'm like one, one, one degree from Walt Disney and I'm like one degree from uh, some of the nine old men and I am uh, zero degrees from incredible talent that we're going to be talking to. And uh, let me tell you the, how I came about meeting them. I am not a big social media guy as far as like being glued to Facebook. Some of you, it's your thing, and that's cool. I mean, it, it's, it is what it is. But when I, when I sit down and I'm having a cup of coffee and I just want to flip through the timelines, um, I mean, I'm, I'm as guilty as anybody else clicking videos or reading the joke, and some are appropriate and some are not to share. And, and it's, uh, it, it all depends on your friends, and we all have those friends that um, aren't family people and don't have um, kids that have to, you know. So, I mean, it, it's it's just, it's all in, in good fun with them and me. And and, um, and, and, I, and I love that. And I'll let me get to my point. You know, when you're scrolling down and you see a, uh, a video or uh, something that catches your eye. Well, on this particular day, someone in our group, uh, it was SBL, I think, um, uh, shared a picture of this guy painting the Haunted Mansion, and uh, I, I was like, oh, who's this guy? I don't even know who this guy is, but man, that was an incredible painting. He was about, I'd say, a third done, and I was like, this is fun, so I clicked it, and I watched it for a little bit, and I, I believe I finished a cup of coffee while I was watching it. Well, I moved on with my business for the day, all right, so I come back a day or two later, and this guy scrolls across my screen again, and he's a little bit farther along in the painting. I thought, this is pretty cool. So I liked his page, and um, and and that was that was just, you know, I I clicked over on his page. I saw his you know his transition, and um, and one of his videos, uh, he came. He had an eye patch on, and he was taking the eye patch off because he had something. Um, he needed something uh, surgically done with the eye. But anyways. Uh, kind of coming across like a pirate, and he cracked himself up. And anybody that knows anything about me, I'm a pretty abrasive guy. I'm I'm very uh, I, I can be pretty abrasive. I can be very direct. I mean, it, it's a lot of the times uh, when when I you know I correlate the the marine in me with the no nonsense in my life. I don't have time for a lot of it, but. I will always appreciate when someone is able to crack themselves up. I mean, legitimately, like, if, if this man was in a room by himself with no camera, he would have cracked himself up and started laughing at himself. And I, I instantly gravitated towards that because I find uh, that is um, so powerful. And, um, you know, I, I crack up thinking about it. So that being said, I sent him a, um, a, a personal um Friend request. I thought this guy is somebody that that I, I gotta I gotta keep in my network because I want to get all his his feeds. I want to get his personal feeds too because this is this is a guy that's highly talented uh, with the paints and got the personality to go with it from what I can see. So I sent the personal friend request and he accepted it. And then um, I started going down this road of who who is this guy? Who is this R.J. Ogren? And um, 
I mean, we, we've got many ties to Disney. We've got many ties to, um, you know, the 9-0 men. We've got, we've got ties to all these people. I'm, so I'm sitting here going, this guy is like Disney nostalgia. He's right there. He's had his hands on a lot of stuff. Now, I just appreciated it, okay? Then he posts this incredible, incredible um, anniversary homage to his wife. Let me read this for you guys. Now, I got permission to read this. It's on a, uh, it was a Facebook post. Okay, guys, so check this out. At the beginning of 10th grade in drama class, I met this charming, intelligent, beautiful 5'2 actress. Seven years later, between my tours in Vietnam, we married on September 18th and then went on our honeymoon to Jamaica. Well, here we are today, 55 years later, and it's still a wonderful adventure. We must be living a dream, a big, beautiful dream of love. Guys, how, how cool was that? So it was at that moment that I thought, you know what? Here's a guy who absolutely adores his wife, has incredible talent. And it was that moment where I said, you know what? I got to send this guy a, a uh, personal message. And I sent him a message. And I says, Randy, this is who I am. This is the show we have. I said, I would, lo I would, I would love for you to come on, man. Just come on and, and, and talk to me a little bit about your story. And, and he said, the first thing was, guess what? I want to bring my wife. And I was like, absolutely. Who's your wife? And at that moment, I kind of went down the road of going to his website. And then I ordered two of his books. Now, I've, uh, I, this, I ordered them and I immediately, like, I got them on Monday and I have just been cramming them down. And I am just, guys, I am just at awe at how wonderful these books are written and how the story is. And believe me, it is a complete honor on my end, on the show end, um, to have these guys aboard. So from Mike, Justin, and myself, Suzanne, and RJ, let me welcome you to the show. We are great. terrific. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you for all the nice words. Yeah, and I just want to know, who, who is this sitting next to me? Oh, it's my wife. Oh, okay. <laughs> this isn't, is, 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 uh, I, I'm telling you, now, now following, following, um, you, you mentioned right before the show, and I, and I saw that you posted, you, f you finished your um, commission painting. Now, for the layman out there who doesn't understand or know what a commission painting is, can you, can you tell me what, what that means? Uh. Yes. Uh, uh, okay. Uh, people contact me. They mm -hmm. say they're interested in a particular subject uh, matter, and if I'm if it's if I'm able to do that painting, and of course I, I I don't think I've said no yet to anything. <laughs> no, I don't think um, but uh, I give them the the price of the size of the painting and et cetera, and then uh, I send them an invoice, and they actually uh, put half down, they pay half the money up front. And that puts them in my uh, commission painting queue. Yep. And uh, I have paintings right now going into February, March. Um, and so eventually their painting, their artwork reaches the top of the list and I start working on it. But I, I do, if necessary, I do a rough pencil sketch uh, before I start the painting so they can approve it. Now, the painting, as an example, the one I just finished is uh, the Haunted Mansion at night uh, with a lot of fog uh, rolling in, uh, a full moon behind the mansion, and uh, the cemetery that's inside and out. The tombstones are from both places um, in the mansion, but they're in front of the mansion. And I actually took out the retaining wall and just made it a slope coming down toward the front. And then there are the hitchhiking ghosts are there, uh, the ghosts uh, that are having tea on the on the hearse with the red light in the lit because there is a story about the red light. Um, and also, uh, oh, the opera singers and the caretakers there with his frightened dog, but added to all these ghosts, uh, there's some musicians in there too, is the uh, two of the dogs that are the owners, the, the client's dogs. Okay. And they're right down there with the hitchhiking ghosts looking okay. out at you from the painting. So the paintings become 
I love doing these because I become very personal and I, I, it gives me a lot of joy to know that people are putting us on their wall and then come back even months later or years later and say, I still love walking by that painting and looking at it. Yeah. It just makes me feel good. I'm making them happy too, which is the most important thing. They pay the balance when I'm done on, with the painting yep. and they pay for shipping and they get their painting. That's, that's, uh, that's awesome. I, um, and, and I, I knew like, like I, I have friends of mine that have done, um, commissioned paintings and talked about it, but this is the first time I've ever had an opportunity to see the process as evolve and to, to have a process, um, with the haunted mansion is one of my all time favorites. And I think many people out in the Disney fandom, you know, the Disney elitist club, I mean, the haunted mansion holds such a special place, uh, in our hearts. Um, and, and I think that would be a perfect segue to, you know, people are, are listening to the show going, are we, who do we have here? Who, who is an, an artist? I mean, Jason, why, why do you have this, 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 um, this couple on here? Um, guys, you have, you have an incredible story with Disney. And it's really a fun story, and um, and I don't and I and I don't want to like because I'm I'm going to I'm going to severely plug their books because I'm I'm promise you, I promise you I will put my seal of approval on at least the two that I got. Remembering the magic and together in a dream, and I would recommend that together in a dream first. That actually begins by telling the unusual and bizarre story of how I first ended up working at Disney and then followed and then soon after I got by there. Suzanne. Yeah. I'm going, I, I, I wanted to touch on that. All right. But I, I, I'm going to do a change of the show and I don't want to touch on that right now because I think it's that incredible of a story that I think people need to get the book to read it on how you ended up at Disney. I mean, I would love to get into that, but I thought, you know, I'm just going to do a quick change of the show. And, um, because listen, that, that moment right there is exactly where, um, People need to, uh, like especially a lot of the cast members that lost their jobs, they need to, you know, realize, um, take a step back and go, okay, doors are going to open for me. I know they are. And what I was profound, I was very profound, especially being a Marine Corps veteran and how you, you walked into that. I thought it is, it is, uh, it was a great story, but I do want to get into what did you do at Disney? And, and then all of a sudden Suzanne kind of just came into the picture with the, the uh, working for the mouse too then. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, I, gosh, we moved, I graduated university of Miami in 72 taught high school for one year said, okay, I don't want to do this anymore. Um, <laughs> I, actually it was also because I wasn't getting my artwork done. My okay. own artwork. And uh, so we, Picked up sticks uh, and moved from Miami to Orlando in 73. And uh, um, by late 75, early 76, I got lucky enough to uh, become a monorail pilot. And within six weeks after being a monorail, once I was a monorail pilot, six weeks later, an ad came out in the company newspaper, Eyes and Ears, looking for a fourth artist, actually an artist to replace Leota, who had been there training the other three artists. She was from the studios. And we're talking about Madame Leota. A lot of people don't know she was a master artist for Disney for years. Um, and uh, I got lucky and uh, ended up six weeks of, five weeks of interviews. And then a week after that, and suddenly I was a management artist in a studio behind Small World. Uh, with these three other crazy artists, uh, a lot of a lot of fun. We had pulled a lot of stunts on ourselves and other people. But what we did was we took care of all the the figures and all the shows, the pirates, the bears, the ghosts, uh, the props came under us in all the shows, the all the murals, all the sets. Uh, so we had a lot of responsibility. We had a lot of work to do and it was constant. We worked Monday through Friday. Uh, and, uh, we even, uh, were certified scuba divers cause we dove in 20,000 leagues under the sea a lot. And, uh, just cause we could. And, yeah, uh, yeah. and, um, so we put skins on figures that were, uh, required skins, usually the human figures, uh, 
we it, it took a lot of time to know learn how to do that and do it right. But we and put do the, it quickly. And do it quickly, yeah. But we put the skins on, and then once we had those skins on, we painted them with acetone-based paint, and it, which dried very quickly. Um, and uh, so you had to be fast. And uh, we were, of course, taught quality was the most important thing. <clears throat> and uh, we did the, the figures that were fiberglass figures, uh, which uh, were painted with acrylic, paints, uh, two paints and with house paints, believe it or not. <clears throat> and uh, we also painted uh, figures like, well, Mr. Toad, what those were cutout figures, they were on aluminum. And uh, we had to paint them as a flat figure to look three dimensional. Okay, so there was a variety of ev- all types of things. So I mean, there were, there were figures in 20k that were underwater that had skins on uh, and you painted on and, Yeah, one time we touched up one underwater. But, uh, yeah, Jungle Cruise, every single attraction in the Magic Kingdom, and including things that were in the hotels, anything on property, mm-hmm. uh, it came under us artistically. The, the, when you got this job, is it safe to say that your your Randy, your better half there was the reason why you actually got hired for that position because of something she made you put on your resume. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and then he tells every every time he does a public speaking engagement, if there are young people in the audience, he tells that story. I think it's because it's a great story. It, it really is. is. So, you know, you, you yes. If you, I realized after that because. I was reluctant to put something on my resume because I was, it was a horrible job uh, <laughs> that I, I did. And uh, actually, I was repairing vinyl chairs uh, in the recession of, of 73. We got to Orlando. We, there were no jobs, uh, basically. Well, um, you had a job, like, but then you got laid off in a yeah, few months. Yeah, I was working for architects for yeah. six months, and then they went under, as, as did everybody else. But... Disney wouldn't hire us because we were overqualified, they said, because we had college degrees. We were overqualified to load people on the attractions. Yeah. Once I did get in, finally, uh, as a monorail pilot, um, and, that, and that opening came up before the artist, uh, and then I got the job, and I, I asked, how did I manage to beat out 13 other well-qualified artists? Mm-hmm. Uh, so a couple of them were friends of mine at Disney. And uh, they said, it was because of something you did. I was something I did. He says, yeah, nobody else had ever had done this ever. And I said, and then they said, it was something you didn't want to put on your resume, but your wife insisted. I said, what? They said, well, what you referred to in their interviews, we talked about it too. I went, yeah, the stupid vinyl chairs. (laughs) He says, well, it turns out you were working repairing vinyl chairs in restaurants and hotels, trying to keep food on the table. Um, and uh, you had to use heat, you had to use glues, uh, you had to melt things together, and then you used acetone paint and you mixed colors to match whatever the vinyl color was. I said, yeah. I said, so he said, well, you don't know it, I guess, but the figures you're gonna be working on that have skins, those, that skin is reconfigured hot melt vinyl glue, and and you have to use heat to seal it on together to trim it out and everything else, and then you have to use acetone paint to paint it. You're the only one that had that kind of a background as opposed to the other artists. So the stupid vinyl chairs are what you got you the job as a Walt Disney World artist. So I tell this to people you know, especially like Suzanne said, especially high schoolers and, and college kids, is don't be afraid to put what seems like a really stupid thing you don't want to even admit to. Or don't to be afraid done. to take a low, yeah, what you ne- consider never, a lowly yeah. job. Although I didn't learn a whole lot at Burger King for two weeks in high school, but uh, uh, <laughs> but but no, it's it. Everything can lead to something better mm-hmm. or totally off the wall that you never thought about. And gosh, if I'd have known that 
final chairs would get me a job as an artist at Disney, I would have taken that job and just like, yeah, sure. But when I did it, I didn't know anything about it. I didn't know I was going to do that. You were taking care of your business. Yeah, just doing what we had to do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the monorail aspect of your, your career was short-lived. Uh, did you enjoy it at least for that short amount of time? I loved it because I thought once I got, once I got on this, just in operations, I was going to work my tail off and work my way up in the company through operations. Uh, and I didn't know that the artist existed like the job I got. So I worked, I, I had an advantage. Back then, all the monorail pilots had to be at least 20, and most of them were between 20 and 35 years old, and more toward the younger age. Well, I came in with a, a college degree. I had uh, uh, four years of service and, and uh, two years of that in, uh, in NAM. And uh, I was older, so I had an advantage right there. And um, I knew if I just really worked hard, and I everything I did was you know take care of the guests, keep them laughing, keep them smiling, get them on the trains when you're driving, be real good. I even learned the spiel for the hotels because we had to actually do the spiel ourselves between the hotels when you're on that beam, and you had to do it first in English and then in Spanish. Well, I practiced so hard to get my Spanish just right. Well, I did it so well, being an actor, <laughs> because I don't speak Spanish. <laughs> but I do it, and then I'd have people on the, on the, in the cab with me who were Hispanic, and they start, the minute I got done, they go, ah, they start talking to me in Spanish. Or, or you know, and I'm going like, I'm sorry, I don't understand what <laughs> you're saying. But it was that kind of, you know, attention to detail. And, and in fact, when I uh, was going to the interviews for the art job on monorails, they, the supervisors uh, told me that if I didn't get it, they were putting me in to become a lead, which was the stepping stone to assistant supervisor and supervisor. So I was in a win-win situation. Uh, it was a great place to be. Suzanne, you ended up uh, kind of stepping into that position a little bit later than yes, you know. thanks, I, I, thanks to my sure, husband, sure. Uh, because when he was promoted to the management artist job, the supervisor in monorail said, you know, we're really sorry to lose you. I wish we could find somebody as good as you to replace us nice. where you're leaving. And he said, well, I know somebody better than me. And he said, who? He said, my wife. She's been trying to get a job at Disney. She's a dancer and she wants to work in entertainment. But again, she is willing to take an entry level job and then work her way into where she wants to be. And this had been a dream of mine since I was a kid, which is talked about in the first book that we did um, more in detail. But uh, yeah, I just got a call saying, you know, uh, we, it was the casting office at Disney World, and, I, and this woman says to me, I've, I've had a call from one of the monorail supervisors saying, we are to hire you as a pilot. And I went, I'm sorry, what? She thought it was a joke. <laughs> he comes well, being home married and, to you, I, I can't see that happening. Yeah, he, he comes home and I said, what did you do? Because I knew he had to have had a, something to do with this, you know. Yeah. And uh, I loved it. I did love the job. Um, I was there for a year and a half. I hadn't planned to be there that long. But uh, it was very hard to get into the character department where I ended up. And uh, that story, again, is in the book. Um, but my husband kept talking to the manager of the character I, department. I, I, draw I, mean, I don't course. think I ever would have done anything at Disney if it hadn't been for my husband. Frank pushing, Ritty. pushing, I, pushing. Yes. <laughs> I could take lunch. At any, we could go to lunch anytime we wanted. Mm -hmm. We went together, the four artists. But uh, at the cafeteria in the tunnel, the main cafeteria, and, and uh, I knew when Frank Ritty usually took his lunch, um, and so about every couple, few weeks, 
I would take my lunch when he was there and I'd walk in after a while he'd see me coming and he went not again <laughs> he argued that I was too old that Frank you Rudy know, kept saying I, yeah she's too old she has to be a professional dancer she is a professional dancer you know we went through all this so finally he just got so sick of seeing my husband that he got me an audition with one of the choreographers yeah, he, and he laughed when he finally <laughs> said give up I thought he was going to throw the tray in the air <laughs> but he was laughing and then she got in yeah. So. Wonderful. And that had been a dream of mine since I was a little kid to work for Dis for Walt Disney. And yeah. uh, so dreams, you know, do come true. Uh, we have we have this term um that everybody that knows anything about Disney, it's called the nine old men. Mm-hmm. And um you you had the opportunity to work with one of the nine old men, did you not? Mark More Davis. than one. Yeah, well, you well, worked with nine, Mark. The, well, the, the most, nine old yeah. men. Yeah, it was with with Mark. Um, Mark Davis was phenomenal. Um, Alice Davis, his wife, was also phenomenal. Uh, she designed clothing for It's a Small World and Pirates of the Caribbean, and you know, a lot of attraction. And uh, in fact, she wrote the forward. And uh, what a wonderful couple! And, and yeah, we became friends with them, and just. I can't tell you how much I thought I knew about Disney, but learned from them. Just fantastic. And he learned a lot about being an artist, he said, from Narc. After after, uh, Mark passed, Alice and I would talk occasionally on the phone. And, uh, but we would share stories about Mark, either at Disney or in the, in the South Pacific where they used to go all the time. Just, a lot of fun things like that. So, but he was phenomenal. Um, well, he was not he, only an artist; he was also an Imagineer. Well, yeah, he started out as he started out doing the movies, of yeah. course, um, and uh, created Tinkerbell and Corella Deville and Maleficent and Princess Aurora. You know, it just keeps going. And then uh, Walt saw the value in having Mark come over uh, once Disneyland was open and transfer into that and do things with the attractions. And immediately what happened was that Mark started instill, putting humor into the shows. And um, believe it or not, there was no humor in Jungle Cruise. Or the Pirates of the Caribbean. Or the, until Mark was part of that. So, <laughs> um, and, um, he was always fun to work with in, in the aspect, too, of he could see things. He had an incredible eye for color. Um, I got I got that one day because I, uh, before he came, a few weeks before he came out one time, I had gotten the piano that the big bear plays, comes up out of the floor in Country Bear Jamboree and which is a very small piano, which makes the bear look even bigger. <laughs> and and just so you know, on the bears and gorillas and stuff, we also had to sew the fur cloths. The costumes were all done by the costume department. When it came to the fur cloths on a figure, we did those. But um, anyway, I one of the technicians, uh, maintenance uh, uh, audio animatronics, somehow kicked a hole in the front of the piano. And it was very obvious, and it, it had corn stalks stuck to the front of it. And, you know, but it was painted two shades of this uh, um, kind of lime blue green. green. Yeah. yeah, it was a blue green, uh, very subtle. And when we redid something, you had to, you were supposed to get the color exactly right. We even had books and books that showed what the color mixes were. If you could, but usually we like to figure it out ourselves. You know, we, so we could get uh, a good eye for that too. But um, I was struggling trying to get that color just right. And uh, uh, Lee and, and Tom started kidding me about it. And then it was time for them to go to lunch or for all of us to go to lunch and, and or on a break. I forget which it was. But anyway, I says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay here. And I, I'm, this is driving me nuts. I want to get this done. Well, once they left, of course, I had repaired the hole in the, in the, in the, in the thing and sanded it down and made it look real nice. I repainted the whole piano while they were gone. <laughs> so you couldn't see where I was painting the patch. 
It was very close match. Oh, that looks great. I went, thank you. Hey, I really worked hard at getting that match. And then Mark came. And then Mark came. <laughs> and, and we walked into Pir- in the, in the Country Bear Jamboree, and he's looking at everything. This is before the park opened in the morning. And he says, wow, who painted the piano? I said, I did. He says, it's the wrong color. <laughs> How do you do that? <laughs> And the oh. other three artists just looked at me. I like, what? <laughs> I confess. I'm sorry. <laughs> I tried. I didn't pull that again ever. That was Mark. That's what I love about some of his funny stories in the book that he relates that just let you know what working at Disney was like for him. That's what I found so personal. Listen, guys, and I'll tell you this is, and, and this is um, when I, when I dove into the books and we're, we're purposely being kind of vague here because it, I don't know when I was reading, when I grabbed this book, like I was laying in bed next to my wife and I, and I, you know how you cr- want to cram a book? Like I, I figured if yeah. you guys were coming on, I wanted to at least get as much information as I could. So I ordered them on Amazon right away. I got a Monday and here it is Thursday. And, <laughs> and I told you, I already have almost 60 hours in and it's only Thursday of work. So I'm, I'm trying to cram as much as I could. But there was a moment where I looked over at my wife and I said, this book deserves more than me just cramming it because I can relate so much how you wrote to it. And it's almost like I, I am right there with you guys and the style that you guys wrote it where you took a chapter and she took a chapter, you know, and then she took a chapter, then he took a chapter. I love that back and forth that um, it, it was um, guys, I'm, I'm like when I was telling you before we started recording, it was um, not to sound corny or weird, but I'm like, I think I love you guys. <laughs> Because because you're like family, you know, it's like, this is really, really cool. Um, So when we, when we're, are we being kind of vague on some of the stuff in the book? Yes, because I do want you guys to get it and, and, and experience this, uh, this firsthand account of, of a trip to um, a time that is, is, you know, uh, what I'll consider Disney nostalgia, a time where, it needs to be, the story needs to be told. The story needs to be out there. Anyways, I kind of went on a rant about the book. I can't take, talk highly enough about it, <laughs> but, but, but I will, um, I, I will kind of, when you guys were in the parks, did you guys ever have a moment where you were like crossing paths and doing the high five going from point A to point B? Only in the tunnels. Okay. Um, well, I, I, I mean, up- he, he came up sometimes to watch our, performances as characters yeah as sets I, I could stuff. do that you know so i'd go um, i actually have a camera so there are pictures so, of us together yeah. with me in costume but um yeah we used to he he was he had a a golf cart that he drove because disney world even just the magic kingdom is a very big place and uh that's how they got around and he would drive it through the tunnels and if he saw characters carrying part of their costumes, which are heavy. He would stop and put their costumes in the back and drive them to wherever they needed to go, including me, because he knew what my set schedule was and he knew when he needed to get me to the parade step off and stuff like that. And uh, so that was fun. And uh, we didn't really have lunch together or anything very often until I got into management. And then, you know, we did it then, but. So you, so you both were management at at a, at a point. Yeah, not at the same time. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I was still a just an hourly person <laughs> until after you were gone. But then the, I could get him into anywhere, you know. So. Yeah. The, um, the, uh, going back to like when we started talking about like the haunted mansion or the jungle cruise, the, you guys are both, were both Disney nuts before. I mean, oh, I, yeah. you know, I mean, it was, you guys were right there, you know, with me where it's this, this love is there. Um, in fact, I don't want to even try to put myself on your level. Um, you know what I mean? I'm just, you know, us Disney fans. That's what I mean. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Randy, what was it like walking into the haunted mansion for the first time? Like you, you were now 
you are now an artist with Disney walking into the haunted mansion, um, something that's got Walt Disney's fingerprints all over it. Um, after hours, nobody's there. It's just you and, and your, your, um, your coworkers. I mean, what, what was that like? Was that, was that a profound moment? Did you have any profound moments like that? Oh yeah. Uh, I think in every single attraction, being able to walk into it and go in places that nobody else could go. Uh, Even but, when you but, fell in the water at Pirates? Well, three times, yeah, <laughs> three times. Uh, but uh, I learned, um, well, as the mansion is, camp, I, I, I almost, I was trying to act really cool, like, I'm, I'm good with this. Okay. Um, you know, hey, I'm an artist, I'm like you three. Well, what I found out really quickly was that um, within within uh, within weeks, that even though I was older than a couple of the uh, than Tom and Jane, mm-hmm. that they had the Disney experience for yeah. a few years already. Okay. And I thought, well, I'm an artist. I've got paintings and galleries. I've got this. I got that. I felt like I was doing catch up after that. I realized. Hey, you're not such a hot artist after all. <laughs> you know, brought me down to earth real quick. But I would walk into a, a place like the mansion the first time, and I, I was about ready to pee my pants. I mean, it was like, oh, oh my god, I'm, you know, here I am. I'm not riding up the stairway. I'm walking up the steps beside it, yeah. and uh, and uh, doing things. But at the same time, I was always apprehensive because I knew especially Lee and Tom and myself too, were great practical jokers. And I was always, every every corner, I was expecting something to happen. Every time it came anywhere, what's going to happen Well, they did that next? to you on the very first day you were on the job, remember? Yes, yes. So, <laughs> and those were nonstop. We had people that loved to come out and visit us, you know, uh, uh, in op- from operations and everything, but also they all knew about us and our, our little tricks and um they knew to keep looking over their shoulder when they were with us or walking away from us uh so it became quite funny well i have to say too on my side of it that the very first time because you as a when i got out of monorails and was working at being trained as a character the training period was supposed to be five to seven days and a third day out my trainer said to me, we're going to put you in costume and let you run a parade. And I went, why? And they said, because you know what you're doing and you're a professional dancer and we're not worried about you falling down on Main Street. So we're going to let you do this. Well, they put me in a white rabbit costume. The one and only time I ever wore it, I said, don't ever make me do that again. I think it's the hottest costume that's made for Disney. But anyway, when I walked out onto Main Street in that parade, I literally was crying because it was like, this really is my dream come true. I'm a performer at Disney World. It it was like, I know it sounds silly, but I'm a writer and so I can do this. I felt like Walt was right there with me, you know, because he understood that, that, that crazy feeling that a performer gets when they're doing something they really love to do well you know uh, i had that too because every time um mark would come out or waste of rogers um we dealt with john hench a few times and uh, marty sklar and you it all you always felt like walt was there Mm -hmm. even though he was gone it just felt like back then it was still Walt's Disney World, Walt's Disney. Well, yeah, when I was in management, um, a lot of my bosses, some had worked with Walt at Disneyland, some had just known him forever, you know, and they would tell me stories about him and his work ethic and what a great family man he was, but he was literally a creative genius. You know, what he did was unbelievable. And uh, the third book that we wrote, which you haven't read yet, um, the last one, we were asked by our publisher, could we do a third book and make it a trilogy of Disney? 
and we talked about it for a long time, didn't we? Almost a year trying to decide, do we have enough interesting stuff to keep this going? I had more stories. So. You had more stories, but um, <laughs> my idea, which he went along with, was there are so many people now who never knew Walt because he's been gone a long time. Some people don't even know that Walt Disney World is actually named after an actual person, which I was just gobsmacked into that. I'm like, what? So I said, okay, let's do this. But instead of filling it with our stories, because we've done a lot of that already, let's tell people how it got built because of Walt's final dream even though Walt never lived to see it built. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of the philosophy of Walt and things that we have talked about for years are in that book, including every chapter has a quote by Walt at the beginning of it. And I did that to put people in the place where they would understand why, what they were going to read, related to Walt's dream. And so that's why the third book, Imagination and Dreams Are Forever, which is a quote of Walt's. Um, well, it's, it's is, derived is, from a quote. Yeah, yeah. is um, letting people know who Walt Disney was and why Walt Disney World turned out like it did. And we have stories in there as well, our own personal stories. But uh, it, it to me is kind of like our crowning achievement. It took us a long time to write it. It, it, it took, took about a year and a half. She was write. the one who worked on it so hard. I, I, when I wrote my chapters for everything, uh, on, on he writes paper, in longhand on a legal pad. I curl up in my <laughs> leather chair and just write a whole chapter. Really? Just by hand. Yeah. And then, yeah. and then, and he hands it to uh, me, and I edit it. Yeah, and then he, she makes me. She makes <laughs> me look good. I was a, a a newspaper reporter and a magazine writer long before I ever thought about writing a book, and so I am the edit queen, you know, because you always have. You can only write 400 words. And he would have things I'd go, oh, honey, well, this goes I'd, on. I'd write his stuff and be, she'd be turn and say, this past, present, or future tense? I went, all three. <laughs> um, it, it's, it turned out to be a great way for me to write because uh, it, just, it just is a continual flow of, of that. Um, but in, again, in that third book, uh, she, we did alternate not always alternating chapters not in that one no. did her own chapters but but by her writing about the park as an example when she takes you into the magic kingdom the first thing she describes is is main street in the, detail in the, in exactly what it was like in the 70s and what which we, it isn't now which what we what <laughs> we things change what we had so. talked about and didn't want to do was was be negative because no. let's face it everybody a, a ride leaves disney and people get upset um but you, you have to change some of those things yeah, otherwise people um, won't keep coming back and um so this was a way i said we have to do it in such a way you have to that people aren't going to go well she's being negative no, there was no negativity. She just mm -hmm. described what was there, and we've already we've already had people come back and say, "I forgot that that was there." Or Our this, own daughter or, that or, read the book said, "I was reading stuff that I went, oh God, I forgot that was there." There's nothing on Main Street anymore that was well. There, there well, is. there's the Emporium, which is now a lot bigger. Yeah, uh, Emporium just in itself, but but. Yeah, everything changed. Well, my uh, idea was if I just describe to everyone and make it interesting to read, they in their own minds that go there now will go, oh, well, I don't remember that. That's not there. Or, <laughs> that would be neat if it was So there. let them make up their own minds. Is it <laughs> yeah. better? Is it not? And then, Do I and like then, it? And then when so. she'd write about a, a section of the park like that, and I'd do a chapter describing something I worked on, on that yeah. in that area like uh, as an example one was 
uh, doing some touch up to the woman who is not a move was not a moving figure in the box office of the theater that was on Main Street. Main okay. Street. And, and yeah. yeah. It became very comical what happened because <laughs> it was pretty crazy. Just one mistake after another. I finished something. I went, that's good. I'll go out, lock the door, walk around front and go, oh, oh no. We even did the, the uh, when they used to have the Penny Arcade, which was across the street from the movie theater. And they had the, uh, uh, what it was almost, it wasn't called a kaleidoscope. It was that you turn a crank and the cards would flip and you the could Nickelodeon. watch. Nickelodeon. Yeah, Nickelodeon, right. But you could watch a, a two-minute or one-minute cartoon as these cards flipped. They were very popular. And on the top of them, it had a frame piece that was maybe 12 inches across by 18 inches high. And it was a, it was a drawing in cartoon form, whether it was humans in the, in the video or what you were watching or cartoon characters. And they uh, started getting quite damaged. And we looked at them and we went, well, there's no plastic in front of them. They were, you know, people were get, touching them, getting stuff on them. Well, I ended up redoing all of them. And I, I redid all of them, actually. Mm -hmm. And um, and then we put plastic, which helped. But that was the kind of thing. We, you know, that's why we checked. Every morning, we'd split up and go to different attractions and check the figures, uh, see if there was anything that needed an emergency fix. Okay. We then could tell the... Uh, maintenance department uh, looked tonight, pull this figure. And what they would do would pull a figure that say the animatronics wasn't working right. Um, and uh, they take it into their shop. The night crew would work on it. And we walk in in the morning at either six or seven o'clock and that figure would be sitting there for us to work on. Okay. Get it done, And then that night they put it back in. Uh, we very rarely had two of, er of anything. We did have extra mermaids and extra sharks. See, we had to avoid that in the character department, too, because <laughs> there have been instances, not very often, but scheduling got screwed up or somebody put on the wrong costume and didn't bother to check the the worksheet for the day. And we might have two Mickeys in the park at the same time. Oh. And you'd be amazed how small children would go, didn't we just see him up at the... Yeah. <laughs> it's magic. <laughs> it's magic following you around. <laughs> That's, so when you guys would... I know that you would go to Disney as a family. Uh, Constantly. The, <laughs> yes. And um, your your kids, you have... Oh, geez. Is it Two. two? Two, yes, okay. Uh, th are they are they Disney families now that they're older? Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. In mm -hmm. fact, our son has a son who is now almost fourteen, who he's been trying to make him understand. Just because it's about a girl does not mean it's a chick flick. He can't get him to watch <laughs> things like Cinderella and you know Mo he Moana. wants to watch all the other stuff. Sure. <laughs> But he is a Disney nut. Oh, yeah. He likes the Disney things. And yeah, our kids from an early age, we they inherited all the books that I had had as a kid, which was literally the entire Disney library. And a lot of the records, still had records back then when they were young. Yeah. I won't say how old they are now because they'll get mad at me. But um <laughs> Well it was funny actually when our when our daughter graduated high school, uh, she was working as a waitress in a restaurant. And we told her, look, back back then, in the in the 70s and, and 80s, uh, it was easy for you, if you, especially if you were in management, to put somebody's name in, even a family member or a friend. Mm -hmm. say, this is a good person, hire them. And it would be a good recommendation. They'd usually get the job. So I had um, told my daughter, so, because she wasn't happy yeah. being in a restaurant situation and... I said, I can get you a job if you want it. Well, she had gotten let go from one of the restaurants because she had a disagreement with the manager. And I knew she was out looking for a job. And um, she came home and she said, 
I, I start work tomorrow. And I said, oh, great. Where are you working? At Disney World at Epcot. I went, wait a minute. I said I could get you a job. She goes, mother, I wanted to do it myself. Okay. No worries. Well, when our son was going to work there, he was going to college. So he needed a part-time job when he was on holidays or whatever. I went to and Miami. So he went I, to FSU. Yeah, well, you don't of hold course. that against him. But he met his wife there. I do. You know. But anyway, I did get him an interview for that job, and uh, he was very happy. He enjoyed it. So Both. between the four of us, we figured out we had like 25 years of work yeah. at Disney World. Okay. <laughs> um, our son was, our, Dawn was in operations in the future world. Okay. Um, our uh, son, Sean, was a tour guide, the backstage tour, the walking tour. At the which studios. Which it originally started. It was neat stuff. They, yeah. they eventually changed it. and uh, But uh, he loved it. He was having a good time with it. Yeah. Awesome. Very, very cool. When's the last time you guys have been to Disney World? Three years ago. We went for four days. Friends of ours who are Disney Vacation Club members gave us free, free room. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> and so we went down there because... We thought, oh, it'll be, it's before Christmas. There's never anybody there at Christmas. Didn't used to be. Well, <laughs> not anymore. So it was, it was very busy. But the last really neat trip we had was for our 50th wedding anniversary. And that's in one of the books. It might be in two of the books. I don't know. It's, but, it's, yeah. in, it's in the second book. Yeah. Okay. It's in a second book, and I was going to close on that too. Is because okay. well, then um, I have to talk the about it. yeah no, and it's and it's and it's a great story because it really brings like it brings full circle to you know your first year being married. You got to meet now. You got to see you got to Disneyland. You know uh, you got to see Walt Disney himself. And then when you mm-hmm. you know you fast forward fifty years, you know you're you're spending you know your fiftieth anniversary at Hollywood Studios, and um, you know going to a great dinner and 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 whatnot. And I thought that was such a, a perfect full circle uh of of um of a relationship you know of a partnership of a relationship of a of, of a team you know yeah. you guys and that's one thing that i see about your uh you know about your relationship and i, I before i get on that segue i this is i'm just going to tell you sometimes little things crack me up okay and i just want to i just want to just note in your forward, <laughs> yeah. i just want to note in your forward on your second book RJ asked me to write four words for his latest book about the early years of Walt Disney World. <laughs> See, now you know, now you know where he gets his craziness from. Ben Bergeron is a very old friend. Yes. So. I, I, uh, I, I just busted out. I wasn't bad and I just busted out laughing because I could picture that, you know, just, just that, that, just give me four words. Okay. <laughs> I, I love that. But anyways, going back to full circle, and, and, you know, the, the teamwork that you have, the, the stories that you have working at Disney World, the places that you've been. Before I close the show down, though, is there a notable person that you've met that, that made you just take a step back and go, wow, I can't believe I just met this person? Mm. Mark Davis. He was and who, who ended up being a mentor and a friend then. I mean, I, mean I, I, I had the same reaction, of course, probably with uh, – uh, Frank Thomas, and uh, and uh, gosh, with others too. But I no Mark Davis because we actually got to work with him and we became friends. I, it was yeah. an absolute awe of his creativity and how great he was to work with, how nice he was to work with, mm. and uh, learned a lot. Learned a lot. And mine was a gentleman that I still miss. His name is Ralph Blaine, and I used to perform with him every year. I was part of a, for five years running, I was part of a show we did at Christmas, um, which is, well, they, they're not doing it this year because well, of the pandemic. But it used to be done in the Magic Kingdom, and there is a story about it in the second book. Um the Christmas show that we did. And Ralph Blaine was the man who wrote the music for Meet Me in St. Louis. And I was born in St. Louis. And that movie was one of my favorites from the time I was a young kid. And 
when I found out that Ralph Blaine came every year and sang his song, which is Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas, he wrote, he had a beautiful tenor voice, but he would sit and tell us in the choir at rehearsals the most wonderful backstage stories of Broadway and the movies back in the great... Judy Garland. Yeah. All the people that he worked with, all the things that he did, mistakes that he made and just everything. But it would, my daughter ended up doing that show with me for three years because she has a beautiful voice. You were in the living Christmas tree. Yeah, we were in the living Christmas tree and it was 32 piece orchestra, professional singers, uh, a celebrity that came every year. And read the Christmas story. How many high schoolers? Well, it was a thousand. It was with us. It was a thousand voices, with the high schoolers and us. But anyway, um, my daughter and I still talk about whenever we hear that song sung now. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. We cry because we miss Ralph. He was just one of the neatest, kindest, funniest. <laughs> He was just unmistakable. There was nobody else like him. And I, he was a real, really wonderful man. And I got to meet some really neat people working yeah. in Disney entertainment, lots of stars. And I told RJ the one year that the actor George Kennedy came to do the narration of the Christmas thing, I met his limousine when he came to the oh. rehearsal area. And he got out of that limousine, and I thought to myself, I've never seen a man this large in my life. He was really tall and had incredible shoulders. He was, and he had me laughing within two minutes. It was, <laughs> it was great. Yeah, so it was fun working in entertainment. I liked it. Well, it is, it is an incredible story and one that um, I am – I'm just thrilled that you guys shared with me. So if if I was to ask you guys and put you on the spot is if there's anything that you want to say out there that would maybe lift. So see, I'm real big on, uh, you know, if, if people that do listen to the show, um, you know, make somebody smile, you know, have, have, have be, be that person that, that just kind of picks people up around you or whatever. Um, if, if you were to just give any advice to somebody that's young, somebody that's starting over, somebody that's maybe just got kicked in the head and is like, wow, I am down and out right now. Is, is there any words of wisdom that you could give them? Uh Gosh, yeah, just <laughs> never give up. But if you need yeah. to, change direction. There's yeah. so many different things you could do. You don't have to be stuck doing one thing that you've started out with. Um, well, and, and, and do something you enjoy. Yeah. I mean, to me, the, the it, it, I, God, I could never imagine. And I think that's why I got out of teaching so quickly. I couldn't imagine myself teaching for 30 years doing that day in and day out. Um, And it, I like the challenge of something new going on every day, Mm -hmm. something unique, something uh, exciting. Well, we always tell people um, if you have a creative bent, whether it's performing or artistry or whatever, just be brave enough to follow that dream. Yeah. You know, you're never going to get rich doing it. Probably if you go into it with the idea of, I want to be a star, you're going to be disappointed. But as long as you're doing what you love to do, that has what it's always been. Why we're still together after 55 yes. years. Cause we do it, whether we're acting or I'm directing a show, which I do a lot now. Um, it's, there's always something new we bring to the yeah. table. You know, it never gets, never gets boring. We, we have been, and we talk a lot about a lot of the celebrities that we got to work with in our books, uh, Disney and not Disney. And, and uh, over the years, and be, you know, because of Disney, once I left Disney, all these other things have happened over the years, and everything has been Disney related. Yeah. Disney changed our lives. Totally. Um, and I'm um, sorry, our, our dog is getting it. I was just going to, I was just going to say that the, the tick, tick, tick you guys are hearing are the family yeah. dog. And so I, yes. so everybody wants to know 
What's the dog's name? Shayla. Shayla. Which is an Irish name that means from a fairy castle. And we got her as a, a shelter dog when she was three, and that was her name. And I thought it was beautiful. I wanted to know what it meant. And once I looked it up, I said, oh, we're not going to change her name. And that's it, right? <laughs> she's, yeah. She's, she's almost 14. She'll and, be 14 yeah, she's, next month. She's starting to really feel her age, especially okay. her legs. But she's great. And, yep. uh, but and she has been great. She she's, she, uh, uh, and not, not being trained at it, but I have really bad PTSD. Uh, and depression that all came about from Vietnam. And uh, if I have a nightmare, she'll wake me up. She'll come up. She can't now. She can't go upstairs anymore. <laughs> sure. But, but uh, she's been terrific. So, yeah. yeah. She's a neat dog. Well, let me tell you, uh, as a Marine Corps vet, I think that's what sold me when I read that thing where you where you, you put it out there. I did two tours in Vietnam. Um, and, and that was, uh, that was really in a connection where I was like, I um I want I need to reach out for this guy because he's got all the quality and traits set, and then all of a sudden he throws this incredible Suzanne in the picture, and I'm like, well, what a bonus! What an absolute bonus! Then, jeez. So, um, anyways, uh, guys, listen, I, I can't say thank you enough. I know it's getting late here. Um, I'm going to wrap up the show. Learning who you guys were. And and asking you to come onto the show and and then meeting you personally, you know, on this this level where you know I'm looking into your house, you're looking into my my fake background, which I did take that picture a few weeks when I was ago when I was down at Disney World. Um, the um, it was just just meeting you on this level is exactly what I imagined you guys to be. Meeting you guys on this level is exactly how I how you are portrayed when you wrote and your writing style gives that. So it's there's nothing fake about that. Everything is all genuine. And I just love that. The, the going forward, I sincerely, from Mike, Justin, and myself, the host of the show, and all of my Disney Dads family, I want to wish you guys the most incredible luck. Um, you have the you. art, you have the, 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 the talent that is uh, beyond reproach. I mean, it's, it's such an amazing talent. I just, I just can't. You know, it's like I, I, I just can't even. And uh, I just want to say, um, you know, I want to wish you the best of luck and, and all the blessings in the world for both of you. And you. to, you know, 55 more years and of, of all the fun <laughs> stuff that you guys have going. So thank Thank you again for coming on the show and I want to wish you guys a good night. Well, thank you so thank much. You thank you for having us on. Thank you. Thank it was you. delightful. This was very delightful. Yes. And thank to you. everybody listening out there, you know, here's to the fools who dream. Yes. And, <laughs> yeah. and my part, and remember, always remember, imagination and dreams are forever. From Mike, Justin, and myself, we want to say thank you and remember, always keep it Disney. And they all live happily ever after. Each of us has a dream, a heart's desire. It calls to us. And when we're brave enough to listen and bold enough to pursue, that dream will lead us on a journey to discover who we're meant to be. All we have to do is look inside our hearts and unlock the magic within. Ready to begin. Let the wonder. This has been YDF Media Productions. In post-production notes, I just wanted to mention a couple things. First of all, thank you for listening to the show. It was really a pleasure to talk to these two people and get to know them on a, on a different level. And I hope you really enjoyed the ride that we took you on. The uh, other thing I wanted to touch on was um, as time progresses, we're starting to lose uh, the people that um, have had firsthand accounts with Walt Disney, um, firsthand accounts of um, people that have worked with the nine old men. And that's why I personally think it's important to get the story out to, uh, I, I would say, um, you know, push, push the, the information out, support these people. And, and that is one of the reasons why I really wanted to come to you guys was because the story is a great story. It's a fun story. And in the end, guys, it's all about from what I took really from this couple is um, follow your dreams, work hard 
and um, and dreams do come true, man. I mean, can 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 we say it any different? Dreams do come true. I know a lot of you have reached out to me over the years, uh, you know, saying, "Jason, thank you for um, thank you for saying this, or thank you for for doing that," and um, because it, it was like you were talking to me, it was I was having a really hard time, and I wanna I wanna appreciate that, um, as I like to say, that proverbial hug. <laughs> the proverbial show hug that I like to give you guys and um and I'm a huggable guy I even even like during the COVID I'm I'm a, I'm a lovable huggable um for half of you I guess um but my point is is um this is definitely a story where you know you, you push through um you take some on the chin and you just do what you need to do to get through the day and always keep your eyes open for the on the horizon and keep your eyes open for doors that are going to open um there are tough times there are going to always be tough times guys always i mean that's that's life you know life is going to throw you curveballs life is going to chop you right in the mouth and um sometimes all you got to do is uh grab a napkin and um clean up your face and keep pushing through and in the end your dreams will come true i know this I know it in my heart. You just have to believe in yourself. If you believe in yourself, it will happen. Once again, thank you, Randy and Suzanne, for coming on the show and being incredible people.